Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us as we roll into the third hour of the program. And uh, we are having a fabulous time. And we are joined now by the first guest of the day. And I've been told that her husband has spectacular taste in radio. I am a monster fan. We're talking to Kim Strassel. She's got a new book, The Biden Malaise, How America Bounces Back from Joe Biden's Dismal Repeat of the Jimmy Carter Years. You are a, Kim, columnist and editorial board member of the Wall Street Journal. And I'm going to fangirl out here a little bit. I, I absolutely love the editorial pages of the Wall Street Journal. I, I, th- I I've said this on the show before. Uh, Kim, I think the two most trusting and important pages that are produced in American media every day are your editorials and then all the op-eds that you guys run. I always thought that. But the willingness that you all had to put out truthful analysis during COVID was so... I I felt a lot of times like I was uh, walking in a desert and every now and then would just get to drink from from (laughs) an actual oasis because it was so rare. So thanks for all that you guys have done. Uh, Tell us about the book. Well, first of all, let me fanboy back to you. Um, I am a huge fan, and as I mentioned as well, every day my husband walks into my office and said, you want to know what Clay and Buck just said? So he is is a fan. (laughs) Never misses it. Um, So the book is essentially a comparison of the Jimmy Carter and Joe Biden years, and it goes through the kind of eerie similarities between those two administrations separated by 44 years. And and there's a lot, right? Inflation, high energy prices, uh, foreign policy debacles, uh, problems at the border, high crime, the list goes on. But the The central premise of the book is that that comparison is fundamentally unfair to Jimmy Carter. Now, tell us why. Yeah. (laughs) So in what way? Because people have been making that comparison for years. 
Yeah, no, okay, so here's why it's unfair. I think it's both a question of what they inherited and also intent. So Jimmy Carter was dealt a much tougher hand, all right? We already had the great inflation raging around the globe. Uh, we'd had a world oil shock. We had the Cold War. Uh, he inherited high crime rates. Uh, this is in stark contrast to Joe Biden, who was dealt a pretty awesome hand. He had an economy that was just about to round the corner and come blaring and blasting out of COVID. Uh, we had just a couple of years prior to his taking office become a net exporter of fossil fuels. Um, crime was not necessarily an issue at that time. Uh, the border uh, certainly doesn't look anything like it does now. Um, and so my argument being is that he took a good situation and managed to des destroy it, essentially. Um, but the other argument is that um, is intent in that Jimmy Carter, the, the rap on him, he had a bad he inherited a bad situation, but he was well-meaning. He was just incompetent and he was engulfed by a series of crises. He fundamentally, this was not a guy, though, who wanted bad things to happen to the country or who wanted to turn us into a European-style social welfare state. Um, that's in contrast, I think, to Joe Biden, who's been very deliberate in these policies, in the spending for uh, in new entitlement programs, uh, in this climate agenda, which is really squelching uh, our domestic industry. Um, and these are all being done for ideological goals, even though they're causing real economic harm. Hey, Cam, it's Buck. Thanks for being with us. Uh, the book that Kim Strassel has is The Biden Malaise, which is just out. Everyone should check it out. Um, Kim, something we talk about often here is, are the Democrats all in, when push comes to shove, are they all in on Biden 2.0 at 80-something years of age? Or do you think, uh, you've written a book on this, you've looked deep into all things Biden do you think that there is either a threshold that they could pass in the next six months or have they already passed it where they really are scrambling to come up with some kind of a plan B? 50-50. I think there's a 50-50 chance somebody gets in still to challenge them. Look, one thing I've always given Democrats, they have a lot more discipline than Republicans do. They're far more unified. That's a good thing and a bad thing in my mind. Uh, better for them on politics, probably not better for the country uh, in terms of policy. But, you know, they have decided that they're going to stick with their horse. They're not going to abandon them. But it's very difficult. I do not see how you could be a Democrat looking at at the at the wrecking ball that is becoming the, the White House and this president and his performance and not be very, very nervous. Um, and I think that's why you say, I mean, look, Gavin Newsom essentially ha is a is a presidential candidate in waiting. He's all but out there on a campaign. He's just waiting. Um, I think it's going to if we have some sort of crisis in the White House, if he has some sort of health scare, if there's some moment of like really bad, uh, a bad call that really reflects badly and the polls go even lower, that might be the moment. Kim, I said that I super trust everything that you guys do at the Wall Street Journal. And and I'm curious how you would assess um, other, other coverage that you see. And Buck and I talk a lot about one of the biggest, and this goes for our show too, but certainly any media entity, one of the biggest decisions, maybe the biggest decision is what do you cover? And then when you cover right. something, how do you feature it? How do you help distribute it so that people become aware of it? We were talking earlier in the show about the IRS whistleblowers uh, and their report. I actually looked because I'm old, old man still. Uh, I like to get the newspaper. Uh, I believe the New York Times buried it bottom of page 16. One reason I like the physical newspaper is it allows you to see editorial judgment. I think the Wall Street Journal had it on page four or page five. 
Do you think when you see the way that the New York Times and the Washington Post, I used to read those newspapers all the time. I went to school in D.C. They were left-leaning, but there wasn't a willful blindness in the way that they covered things. It doesn't seem to me 20 years ago. Is that a business imperative? Is it an editorial imperative? What do you think has happened to those two newspapers? I think that the Wall Street Journal has not fallen victim to I'm just curious with you as an inside view how you would assess it. I would assess it as an abdication of editorial leadership. Look, if you look around at the media, and I've been in this industry a long time, you guys have, there's always been a left-leaning stance. Uh, Journalism tends to attract left-leaning, save the world, do-gooder types. Uh, They often come out of the same environments, the same universities. Um, But we always relied on an older generation of editors to kind of knock that out of them and preserve the tradition of newspapers trying to come across as nonpartisan and trying to cover the news fair and equally and put the right emphasis on the right topics. Um, Those editors have either left or they have been cowed by an increasingly progressive liberal staff that have come in. Um, And this was aided by Donald Trump's election because they essentially told themselves, hey, uh, we are now morally entitled to get to be biased because we're doing good for the country by trying to stop a supposed budding authoritarian. They told themselves this, and it's now become mantra in these newspapers. They really, truly believe that they are practicing journalism instead of just pure advocacy, which is what's happening now. Kim, you think that there's any chance at all that, um, I mean, going forward here, we're we're seeing – multiple federal criminal trials or at least well one federal already and soon to be announced probably another one a new york city criminal trial all these things against trump is there any chance in your mind that some of the the independents some of the the swing voters and and that middle tranche of of the country ideologically is going to realize how crazy that actually is i feel like they've been fed a lot of january 6 and trump and it's all so awful but we're going into this period where there's going to be at least, I think, four, if not five, prosecutions, whether civil all the way up to federal criminal, of Donald Trump in an election year where he's the top nominee based on polling right now. Yeah, it's really shocking. And, you know, I think that one of the reasons that this narrative has taken hold, again, it goes back to the media, which for the past six years has been normalizing radical behavior. Right. I mean, we constantly get told that it was Donald Trump who broke norms and standards. It's nothing compared to what the Democrats have done on a daily basis since he took office. You know, now apparently impeachment is something that's just run of the mill. Now it's apparently okay for the Department of Justice to indict the former president of the United States on multiple occasions. Look, I'm I'm really hopeful that there is a, a middle section of the country who understands the terrible precedents that are being set here. And, you know, part of this is going to come down to and what I think is the fatal flaw, Jack Smith. I have always argued if you're going to go down this road and do a first and indict a former president, you better have the most rock solid case ever. You better not be going out on a limb uh, with dubious legal theories and a case where you're still not sure you can get a jury to go. If you can't convince 90% of your country that you had a case that, that was so serious, you need to take this step. That's where I think they could end up losing some people. And, you know, 
I think that's likely because if you look at what we're hearing, he's going to run these cases on. It doesn't look very solid to me. It looks like a lot of unexplored legal territory that, again, is going to be a first. Um, and I think it could be hard to convince people. All right. So you have drawn a lot of historical analogies between uh, Jimmy Carter and, and, and Joe Biden here. Jimmy Carter led to Ronald Reagan. Is there anybody that you see on the Republican side right now that you think could have Reagan-like qualities? And, and, and what I think is so fascinating about Jimmy Carter on the historical analogy is you can say that as Carter was elected because of Watergate and the fallout, I actually think Biden was elected primarily because of COVID. Um, and I, I think he would have lost if COVID doesn't happen. Leave aside everything else. I think Trump, the economy would have been great. I think Trump would have won comfortably in 20. But for COVID, what is the optimistic thing if you're going to build? Because I, I do think most people would say coming out of Jimmy Carter, the 80s and 90s were pretty fantastic uh, for most people in America, all the way up to 9-11 when we obviously had that national tragedy. But we had 20 years, an entire generation where a lot of people who are listening to us right now, Buck, myself, uh, you, uh, your husband probably, grew up in the 80s and 90s and kind of thought America was awesome. And we just argued over who thought America was the best in our presidential elections instead of America's the awful, systemically racist, despot country that many Democrats seem to think it is today. Yeah, boy, I loved those years. Um, and I completely agree with everything you say. This is a big part of the book, pointing out what came after Jimmy Carter. Uh, and it wasn't just that Ronald Reagan managed to win that election with a message of hope, by the way, with a policy agenda that was way different than what Republicans had offered before, but was very solid in its own right. He didn't just win that election. He changed electoral politics, as you know, for a generation. And the reason this is so important is I do believe we're at a similar moment now. There is an enormous backlash, just like in the Carter years, to the policies that you've seen coming out of this White House. Uh, you've already seen some Democrat demographic shifts on the ground. Certain voters, in particular minorities, were becoming more and more disenchanted with Democratic policies. Um, what the Republican party needs at the moment, and I sure hope they realize this as they go to do their primary voting, is somebody who I think, A, has a really solid policy agenda more along the lines of Reaganism, because we know it works. Think about those great years you were talking about, um, but also is optimistic and wants to talk again about how great this country is and also wants to invite into the party those who feel alienated by the Democratic Party and that means not necessarily in some of these huge cultural issues imposing litmus tests. The author is our friend Kim Strassel. The book is The Biden Malaise, How America Bounces Back from Joe Biden's Dismal Repeat of the Jimmy Carter Years, even though it is worse than the Jimmy Carter Years. Thank you so much, Kim. <laughs> great to have you with us. Thank Appreciate you, guys. It. Thank you. Have a great day. My friends, some organizations are worth fighting for. One of those is the Preborn Network of Clinics nationwide. This worthy 17-year-old nonprofit organization saves the lives of 200 unborn children a day on average. They do that by meeting and supporting pregnant mothers deciding between life or death for their unborn child, by earning their trust, offering support, and introducing them to the child they're carrying with ultrasound. So many mothers make the decision to choose life for that unborn baby. One ultrasound is just $28 to save a life. If you believe in what Preborn stands for and does each and every day for the unborn children in our world, please 
Make a donation of any amount, whether it's $28 or more. You can do so with your cell phone. It's very easy. You just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250. Say baby or go online to preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash B-U-C-K. Sponsored by Preborn. The Truth Compass, pointing due right every day. The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America. America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Today, here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture, culture. and a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, team. We're going to get into some of the RFK pushback that happened um, this morning on Capitol Hill. Um, it was very interesting, very interesting indeed. Uh, he's making more converts to RFK Jr. I, I always have to say the junior. You're going right? to be out other, doing push-ups with us soon, Buck. That's right. Give me, you know, just got to shave the chest, get out there to Venice <laughs> Beach, and just start, you know, working on those pecs and testosterone and some other things too. But still, still respect, uh, respect the pec. Um, so, Clay, you have a big announcement for everybody. Want to let you tell everybody what is going on. Yeah, so we all know that the uh, first Republican primary debate is going to be in Milwaukee on August 23rd. So that is uh, basically a month from now. I am going to be doing an event the night before that 
uh, in Milwaukee at the Pabst Theater. That's Tuesday, the 22nd of August at 8 o'clock. We have a monster audience in Milwaukee right now listening to us on 1130 WISN News Talk. We appreciate all of you. Uh, we are going to do, we're going to take over that theater and we're going to have an awesome time. You can get your tickets a bunch of different ways, but I just want Milwaukee, I want all of you to know, Pabst and Riverside box offices, over the phone, online, all of the info is up at clayandbuck.com. And right now, you got a pre-sale code of FREEDOM. Uh, only good for 24 hours to get your tickets. I am told that they are going to go very fast. I know, Buck, you've been up to Milwaukee. We have an absolute monster audience. We'll have a lot of fun. We'll be talking about the d- debate that will be taking place the next day. And you get a copy of my book that will be coming out on August 8th, American Playbook, as a part of the uh, the festivities there being in the theater. So it is fantastic. It's going to be really fun. Again, you get a copy of my book. You get to come watch. Uh, the, the tickets are available right now. Go get them uh, all over the place. Paps Riverside Box Office, Tuesday, August 22nd at 8. I promise we will have a really good time. So we're going to be going to a bunch of different cities, but this is going to be a big event the night before the debate. And so Milwaukee, I hope uh, you guys will load up and uh, and fill up that theater and we'll have an awesome time together. And uh, I can't wait. I've never been uh, to Milwaukee at all. So this will be my first trip uh, trip there. I bet we'll have, Ali, I think they're working on it, some fun special guests associated with that event too. Uh, again, it's the night before the big premier uh, Republican debate in the primary season. Is Trump going to show up to great that question. debate? I, I don't think he will. I don't think he will. And that's going to be interesting. You know, what does that mean for debate night, really? I think it means that Ron DeSantis is going to get ripped to shreds by everybody else because they're going to be going after the Assuming he's still in second place, everybody's going to be trying to get to second place. And it's hard to attack somebody who's not there, which is why I think Trump won't be there. Being a gun owner comes with both privileges and responsibilities. You know the thrill of learning to master your firearm and keeping yourself trained so your visits to the gun range are exhilarating. And that's where the responsibilities come in. Training is important. Keep your skills sharp. That's also important. Getting to the range can be a little harder than it sounds, particularly if life is busy. Also, the range near me is booked a lot of the time. So between visits, what can you do? Well, I train at home with a dry fire practice system. The one I use is called Mantis X. This is a firearms training system that is a no-ammo, all-electronic way to improve your shooting accuracy. Simply attaches to your firearm like a weapon light, and you can use it at home or wherever you can train safely. The Mantis X gives you data-driven, real-time feedback on your technique. It guides you through drills and courses, which helps you improve. For all those using Mantis X, 94% of them improve within the first half hour or less of usage. Get yours today. MantisX.com. That's where you go. M-A-N-T-I-S-X.com. The Mantis X system. Improve your shooting accuracy. All right, so Clay has uh, more thoughts on the theory here. The Clay theory that RFK Jr., is a possible, maybe even likely, Trump VP pick. We're not jumping into that right now. I'm just laying that out there for everybody. We'll come back to it. First, we wanted to hear from or hear the words of Mr. RFK Jr. this morning when he was testifying at this Weaponization and Government House Oversight Committee hearing. Here is what RFK Jr. said about 
malinformation and censorship and oh my play four on this one i was the first person censored by the as the chairman pointed out by the biden administration two days after it came into office it ordered a truthful and by the way they had to invent a new word called malinformation to to, to censor people like me hey, there was no misinformation on my instagram account everything i put on that account was cited and sourced the peer-reviewed publications or government databases. Nobody has ever pointed to a single piece of misinformation that I published. I was removed for something they called malinformation. Malinformation is information that is true, but is inconvenient to the government that they don't want people to hear. Basically, Clay, the expansion from disinformation to misinformation to malinformation so disinformation, intentionally dishonest stuff meant to tell people things that are untrue. Misinformation, I think, is is uh, when people are sharing stuff that is not true but aren't doing so intentionally to deceive. And malinformation is now sharing information that, while true, we don't like and is not helpful to the overall cause. So those are all different categories of censorship under the Biden regime. That's a good description of all those different ones because I've been kind of using disinformation and misinformation interchangeably because I feel like there isn't oftentimes much of a distinction, right? That well, is know, a, C- a CIA guy over here. You know, yeah, I got to no. know these things. CIA officer, by the way, not an agent. Correct. Um, I got it. Uh, so the um, what's interesting is when you break this down, I think we also have, do we have RFK Jr.? When one of the congresswoman, uh, congresswoman from uh, Miami area, I think, uh, who's Democrat, tries to censor RFK Jr. I think we have this audio, right, guys, of her demanding at a hearing on the perils of censorship without a trace of irony, this congresswoman tries to censor what RFK Jr. can say. She's like, I'm here for the censorship hearing so we can censor more people. Yes. I mean, this is crazy. Do we have that, guys? I think we do. Can we play it? (laughs) Is that two? Pursuant to House Rule 11, Clause 2, which Mr. Kennedy is violative of, I move that we move into executive session because Mr. Kennedy has repeatedly made despicable anti-Semitic and anti-Asian comments as recently as last week. Rule 11, Clause 2 says... Whenever it is asserted by a member of the committee that the evidence or testimony at a hearing may tend to defame, degrade, or incriminate any person, or it is asserted by a witness that the evidence or testimony that the witness would give at a hearing may tend to defame, degrade, or incriminate the witness, and it goes on. Mr. Kennedy, uh, among many other things, has said, I know a lot now about bioweapons. We put out hundreds of millions of dollars into ethnically targeted microbes. The Chinese have done the same thing. In fact, COVID-19, there is an argument that it is ethnically targeted COVID-19 attacks certain races disproportionately. The races that are most immune to COVID-19 are... Is a lady making a motion or a speech? I, I've made a motion to move into executive session because Mr. Mr. Kennedy's testimony... Mr. Chairman, I move to table the motion. Gentleman from Kentucky has moved to table. Mr. Mr. Chairman, I ask for a roll call vote on the, on the motion to table. Clerk will report. Mr. Chairman, there are 10 ayes and 8 noes. The motion to table is agreed to. Okay. So they tried to censor RFK Jr. And Buck, here, let me build this for you. Can, can I just think about what? Not, not even on what he's saying at the hearing. They're Correct. trying to censor him based on stuff that was said last week, not even in the hearing. Correct. 
And what's interesting here is don't miss what's going on because there's also a really good clip of RFK Jr. defending the First Amendment in the marketplace of ideas. But he is running, attempting to be the Democrat nominee. The Democrats on that House committee tried to censor one of their presidential candidates from being able to speak publicly at that hearing. Think about how wild that is. Now, connect it. Trump is a disruptor. This is why I think RFK Jr. as a vice presidential candidate is very realistic. Trump is a disruptor. What is the most disruptive choice that Trump could make as his vice president? We talked about basically the world I think now is not defined as much by Republican and Democrat as it is establishment and anti-establishment. And this is why we put up a couple of polls. You guys in this audience have overwhelmingly said, yeah, you would vote for RFK Jr. over Mitt Romney, over Mike Pence. I think that is a sign of the anti-establishment views of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. are attractive more than the establishment views of a Mitt Romney, Mike Pence, and we use Paul Ryan as another example. Trump was originally, in 2016, the definition of an anti-establishment candidate. But you have pointed out, it's a challenge to run as an anti-establishment candidate when you're the former president of the United States, because that is the definition of establishment. So how could he reclaim some uh, some of that rebellious anti-establishment vibe, I would say, that characterized so much of his success in 2016, I think RFK Jr. could be that path. And RFK Jr. can rightly say the Democrat Party, which I, I voted Democrat before, I've said this publicly, has lost its mind. And I think one reason that I think the most important thing in America today, regardless of party, is we have to have a robust, uninhibited marketplace of ideas. There are lots of Democrats that I think reparations is a loony idea. We've made fun of how loony that idea is. I don't think that any Democrat or left-winger who wants to argue in favor of reparations should be censored and not allowed to make that argument, even though I think it's ludicrous. This, to me, is the foundation of a winning argument that Trump, in conjunction with RFK Jr., could could run. I also think, Buck, RFK Jr. inoculates Trump, interestingly, from some of his, which I think the worst aspect of Trump's candidacy right now is that he's still trying to defend the COVID shot, which I think is a is a the worst public it, health decision clear, that our country has made. RFK Jr. took some shots at the Trump administration for going along with Fauci and the censorship and all the rest of it, which yeah. doesn't get talked about on the right very much. Yeah. But it wasn't uh, wasn't what it should have been in 2020 either. In 2021, they went full Stalin. But uh, in 2020, things should have gotten a little better, a little faster. Uh, I think that's a fair point to make. But here's RFK Jr. on the First Amendment saying that it was... Uh, It's not about the easy speech. It's the speech that people do not like. Play three. This is a letter that many of you signed. Many of my fellow Democrats, 102 people signed this. This itself is evidence of the problem that this hearing was convened to address. This is an attempt to censor a censorship hearing. And by the way, censorship is antithetical to our party. It It was appalling to my father my uncle to FDR 
Harry Truman, to Thomas Jefferson. We need to be able to talk. And, and the First Amendment was not written for easy speech. It was written for the speech that nobody likes you for. You know, Clay, that's all true. But the Democrat Party today and anyone who needs an example of this, just look at the way they view hate speech laws. Yeah. Hate speech no, laws I mean, are censor they're censorship. I, I hate to have to like, you know, say the obvious here, but Democrats, they decide, oh no, if you say something about people that's like really upsetting to us, you're not allowed to say that anymore. That is censorship. That is not what the first amendment I mean, that is not uh, respecting the First Amendment. The Democrat Party no longer believes in or adheres to in principle or practice the right of free speech as enshrined in the First Amendment. No doubt. And I mean, what's wild on this is it, it represents the full culmination of the idea that words are are violence, not acts are violence, but words are. And so I bet just about everybody out there listening to us right now at some point in their childhood heard the old homily sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. That was kind of the foundation of how kids 20, 40 60 years ago were raised nowadays we tell kids if someone says something that hurts your feelings that's an attack upon you that shouldn't be allowed we have to police i mean this happens on college campuses all the time we have to police what is said in classrooms we have to police what is said in private conversations and the democrat party is no longer a party of free speech and robert f kennedy i think I mean, I think that's a powerful argument to make. My dad, RFK Jr., uh, RFK Sr., John F. Kennedy, FDR, all the way up to Thomas Jefferson, Harry Truman, he cited a bunch of Democrats who would have fundamentally reputed the, repudiated the idea that you should be able to censor what someone says if you don't like their opinion. And I just, I, I don't know if the Democrat Party is ever going to return to sanity. But I do think there are 20 or 30% of Democrats who were persuadable and sane. And I wonder if Trump was able to use RFK Jr., whether that would be a uh, a connective tissue that would make sense. Now, I still think, Buck, we've talked about this a lot, Brian Kemp is who the vice presidential choice should be. Glenn Youngkin, if either one of those guys could deliver their states, to me it's a no-brainer. Actually, go pick a VP who can deliver a state. Uh, but if you were not doing that and you were trying to send a message, I don't know that a more prominent message could be sent in the event that Trump were the nominee than picking somebody like RFK Jr. as his running mate. He's more likely to do that than he is to pick Kemp or Youngkin. I think that. you're probably right. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, that means it's going to be super hard no matter what to customers old and new. Uh, they've upgraded their service this summer without charging anybody for it, just providing better value. Pure Talk just added data to every plan. Now they're including a mobile hotspot with each one, too. Switch to Pure Talk. Get much more for the same low price of just 20 bucks a month. That's unlimited talk, text. Now 50% more 5G data plus a mobile hotspot just $20 a month. Pure Talk, veteran-owned and operated. They hire the world's best customer service people, all based here in the U.S., to help make the switch from your current cell phone carrier to theirs easy. Most families saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America. Dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck to make the switch to Pure Talk today, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck. Make the switch to Pure Talk today. 
Get to know the guys outside the issues. Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck, a new podcast. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show, finishing up the Thursday edition of the program. I would say, man, there's been a lot of moving parts here uh, in the day's news cycle, and we still may have the craziest part of the news cycle yet to come, which could be, Buck, the uh, indictment in Washington, D.C. of Donald Trump, which it would not stun either of us if that news officially broke potentially tomorrow. And if not tomorrow, I would expect at some point next week that news will officially come down as well. Yes, it's going to be quite a moment in time when all of a sudden we recognize. Let's count them up for a second here. Alvin Bragg, New York document case, basically, like uh, election election documentation of expenditures as crazy as it is that that is what it is so alvin bragg new york case southern district of florida um mar-a-lago documents case uh the fanny willis georgia case likely to be announced in the next indictment announced in the next couple of weeks that's three the civil 
Letitia James New York State case four, and then the J six likely in DC Jack Smith indictment that we're maybe going to hear about tomorrow, or certainly it seems next week. Five. Am I missing yeah. one? I think he is. He is in five cases ranging from civil to federal criminal. Um, assuming it all goes as it looks like it's going to in the next, uh, and we'll know in the next couple of weeks, basically, if that is five, Clay. Yeah, it's crazy. And the Eugene Carroll has now sued him again, too, right, for the comments that he made in the CNN interview. So technically, I guess that would be six. I don't know how long it'll take. She's that, suing that's him not for, the state, you know, bringing. I mean, that's an individual, correct. you know, but right? It's, so. But it's a, another defamation case that they will treat as if it is, you know, oh, yeah. life or the death. The bombing of Pearl Harbor, for sure. Yes. Yeah, they'll, they'll cover it a lot. Let's take a couple of calls. We uh, we said we would. We, I don't think we've taken any calls so far today. Uh, is Charles in Miami still there? Uh, we were talking about, it was Debbie Wasserman Schultz, by the way, who was the congresswoman that we played the audio trying to censor Robert F. Kennedy Jr., at a hearing on censorship, which is just uh, next-level crazy. Uh, Charles, what you got for us? Yeah, uh, Debbie, I call her Blabbermouth Schultz. She was actually head of the DNC back in 2016. The day before the Democrats' convention, there were leaked emails that went out that there was already the underpinnings to take out Bernie Sanders' campaign. Oh, yeah. He never complained because they bought him out. I mean, the the... Leaked emails that showed the crazy rig job that yeah. Hillary Clinton puts in effect against Bernie Sanders. Everybody was talking about, oh, Russia hacked the emails, everything. I actually thought, and Trump got in trouble because he said, well, I mean, those are interesting emails, Russia, if you want to release some more. But I think that actually was supremely journalistically significant that the rig job was in effect at the DNC. I mean, I think right. the, 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 the New York Times should know that. The New York Times should have felt competitive in the sense that oh my gosh we should have gotten that stuff yeah right? no we doubt. should have figured that. but of course they didn't feel that way because we understand their regime propaganda and that's how they it, operate that is the definition to me of journalism that is in the public interest something that would otherwise have been hidden that was designed to rig the electoral outcome hillary clinton had the dnc giving her every bit of uh, of help that they could to keep Bernie from being the nominee. By the way, and I think that's why there was an anti-establishment component to Bernie Sanders' campaign, even though he's a left-wing loon. Uh, and I, I wish I could never forget that he went on his honeymoon to Russia during the Cold War and came back and talked about how amazing Russia was. I mean, just that that's who Bernie Sanders is. Don, uh, truck driver here. We got you fast. You uh, You had some thoughts. Hi, thanks for taking my call, Clan Buck. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, uh, what I wanted to uh, talk about quickly was that uh, all the things that Joe Biden did uh, and Hunter Biden did point to one thing, and that is uh, treason or, or sedition, because all the money that they kept taking was from always from energy companies. They kept getting all these millions of dollars from energy companies. And the first thing that Joe Biden did when he came into office was reverse all of Donald Trump's energy policies, weakening the United States and empowering Russia in Europe in particular. And That's a really interesting argument there. I mean, I hadn't thought about that angle, but he definitely, Biden did, attack the energy industry. More tomorrow. 
Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.